0: Hello and welcome to Tales from the Doghouse, Separation Anxiety Explained i'm ness jones and i'm from separation anxiety in dogs decoded in australia and with me today is
1: hello this is sarah mclaren from the uk and i am from separation anxiety solutions and with me is i am stacy bell from focused
2: fun in the us today we have a super super exciting episode on how to find a separation anxiety trainer now this is with the disclaimer that we would always hope that you would choose one of us to help you through <laughs> your dog's uh, separation anxiety but if that's not possible for some reason we want to enable you
0: to make the best choice possible stacy um, yes quick question so if they were to choose one of us how would they get hold of us?
2: They would go to our websites or our Facebook pages or for me the best way to get a hold of me probably is to either fill out one of the little forms interest forms on my website or just to
0: um, they can email me. So they might be able to find our details in the Show, show description notes. well not yeah. the, the show description as well
2: oh okay show description yeah
0: that would be the best place that sounds like a plan okay okay Just so do case. that do what yes yeah. contact us that's it then episode <laughs> over <laughs> all <laughs> thanks right
1: thanks for good. listening <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I-
0: So I think with a lot of dog owners that have dogs with separation anxiety, they try to do it by themselves for a number mm-hmm. of reasons, um, and they can hit stumbling blocks for want of a better way of saying it. And, um, I mean, we did do that uh, episode on regression and variability in training. But what, I, what I've found, a lot of people end up reaching out to me because they have hit a wall. So they might mm-hmm. be trying to do the training by themselves on their own, which is very admirable, but they often get to the point where the dog's not progressing. The dog is either just staying at the same time constantly or the dog is going backwards and they don't know how to solve it. And they could be on the same time or, or actually going backwards for like three months on the trot um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and getting frustrated, of course, and upset yeah. about it. and. Just don't know how to resolve the issue so um, I guess for me that would be uh, the perfect time to reach out to a specialist um, yeah. who has got the the experience and the um, the education to get them to start progressing again.
1: It's not it's not just about duration is it? it's not just about getting out the door there's a lot of a lot of other subtle things that are involved in it you know there can be things about time of day or, or, you know, all the things that we've spoken about in lots of other episodes, there are lots of things that impact on your training. And when you're trying to do it yourself and you, you know, you're focusing on getting out of the door, sometimes you miss a lot of the, for want of a better word, incidental things that go on.
0: That's so true, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think also when it's
2: your dog that you're trying to go through the training with, there's a layer of emotions Mm. there that um, prevent you from assessing the the situation more objectively. Um, And I'm not saying that we as trainers don't, you know, emotionally connect or, you know, have a vested interest in what happens. That's not the case at all, but I think that we can look at the situation more objectively and offer from our you know, varied experiences, ideas that might help your particular dog. Um, and I think that's it. I mean, you can read a book or you can look at Facebook or you can Google things, um, which I'm not advocating for because there's a lot of inf- misinformation out there, but you can do that. And even if you have good information, Sometimes it's difficult on like, okay, so I have this information, but how does this apply to my dog where I am right now or my house layout or my, you know, fill in the blank? There's always something that makes it feel like it's not the, you know, quote unquote, typical case right? Some, Mm. some exception that we have to work through and, you know, working with somebody who's seen a lot of cases, those aren't stumbling blocks. Those are just, you know, hurdles that we sail right over because we've been there,
1: you know? Yeah. 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 For every, every, you know, the amount of clients that you speak to or people that you speak to that have you know, like, oh well, I've got two doors, or no, I need to put a gate there, or my lock goes there, or I've got a garage door, or I live in an apartment, or all these, all these things that, to them, the, the bog standard information that might be there about, you know, you need to do tiny departures, blah blah blah, but from, a, you know, you're translating that from a book into into a physical action is is a very very different thing, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Kevin. I've got to talk about Kevin again. It's like Kevin. So, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin was one of my clients and he was an outdoor dog when the owner he's an indoor outdoor dog, but when the owners weren't there, he was outdoors and they wanted to do the training around the outdoors. Now Kevin has a terrible um fear of being outdoors by himself when the owners aren't at home. Fine when they are home, he can be outside fine. But when they're not home, really, really terrified and tried to escape the yard, cut his space up really badly, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, And really they didn't, even though they wanted to do the training outdoors, it was um, my suggestion that we bring him indoors Um, and it really, you know, he's a different dog. He's up to, he's got to be up to four hours by now. Um, They've stopped training with me now because they've gone through the program and he just did amazingly. And it was just something simple that they hadn't considered. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, you know, Other dogs have other issues that you know are going to affect them in their training, and Mm. yeah, that's why having a specialist to say, "Well, look, we have to change things up. We have to." The dog's got a fair history around this exit point or this problem here, so how can we overcome that and set the dog up for success? um, So we can move the training forward. And Stacey, I totally agree with you. Um, Owners are so emotionally invested in their dogs; they love their dogs so much um and they, you know for them to have to go through this with their dogs they hate seeing their dogs upset and they feel guilty about it and all that stuff and when they actually start doing the training on their own they're like well they see things that might aren't there and maybe miss things that are there and yeah so i do feel we can come in with a more objective eye
1: mm-hmm. yeah and then if they're not getting good information either if they're getting information that's to the contrary of what we would give them then quite often they're battling for even longer and getting nowhere because what they're doing isn't working, which is even worse.
0: I think um, even before people start training, uh, you know, if they've just got a dog with separation anxiety and they're not even doing it on their own, Mm. having a trainer to give them the right information, Mm. a specialist trainer to give them the right information is, is paramount because, as you said, Stacey, There's so much misinformation out there. There's still the old school trainers saying, do this, do that. You know, you need to do pick up your keys and put them down 10 million times, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's even before they start the training, all this misinformation. I mean, I can't imagine having a dog with separation anxiety and getting on Dr. Google and typing in (laughs) separation anxiety dog. And there's this wall of information and most of it's... Don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> do it. Um, I do think though, um,
2: that once a trainer has, or once a client has been through a package with a professional trainer, there are options. I think one of the big reasons why people don't seek out trainers earlier is because of, of the cost, right? It, it costs, yes money to 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 work with a trainer one-on-one and that um can feel overwhelming and it can be a obstacle to some people but I do think that if you kind of try to think of it in a big picture and you're thinking of like if you're not working with a trainer or you're and you're not working by yourself um you know the the welfare I don't know like how to put a price price on the welfare of your dog and your peace of mind but that's one piece of it um but then if you're doing daycare or dog walkers and you know if if you're not managing absences then your dog could be destroying things they could get wounded so then there will be vet bills as a result so you know there's a whole big picture of things to look at um but I feel a little bit like a American express commercial right now, because I'm going to say that the peace of mind of knowing that your dog is settled at home is really priceless. I mean, (laughs) I I, I just don't know if you can, um, you know, there's not a good way to quantify that, but um, I do think that, you know, at least starting with a, at a uh, separation anxiety professional will set you up for success. And then mm-hmm. if you would, you know, if, if then you need to work alone for a little while because the cost is not within your budget, then do that. And then just touch base with your trainer when you need to. Um, but starting that way, I think is, is really important and really minimizing the negative experiences and all of the ineffective quick fixes that are out there, you know, like just skip all that, start with a trainer.
1: And then. um... Mm. We used to have a a business coach a long time ago when, when in a previous life when we had a a business and he used to say, one of his greatest sayings was it all goes wrong on the first day. And that Mm. was basically about if you, if you do it right on that very first day. So if you bring your dog home, your puppy home, you rescue whatever it is that comes home, and you start right from then with a trainer. The chances are that you will, you know, get through this in much easier, and the value for money in that that you would pay for one of us to work with you would be so much better than if you start with Doctor Google and then end up with a you know the trainer down the road or the dog walker who gives you some advice or all those other things where you just end up six months, a year, a year and a half down the line getting nowhere. And then you find that trainer, you know, by then you've already hit several walls and are convinced that you're never going to get anywhere and you're never going to be able to leave your dog alone. And it's going to be, you
2: know, oh, yeah, don't wait
1: until you're desperate.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that brings me to a good point. Actually, I have a got, I've got a client and his dog is 10 years old, and that dog has spent all its life being left alone uh, and, you know, howling the house down and being very, very upset, Um, and it's doing the training, and he is doing amazing. His next time, he's up to, um, he's got two weeks or 10 days left of the training program. And he's up to the last yesterday, he did three and a half hours. Wow. And he's 10 years old. So, so it can be done. Yeah. It can yeah. be done.
1: That's amazing. So, That's must be so relieved. Yeah. 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 Seriously. So,
2: just thinking about, we've talked about like some of the obstacles and some of the reasons. What are some of the things that you guys, Feel like uh, that you bring to the table, or an essay pro would bring to the table um,
0: for clients. Over uh, well, them working alone, definitely objectivity. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're not emotionally invested in the dog, and and even just looking at someone's house, like you know, obviously uh, we we do work remotely, um, but we can see inside someone's house with you know the use of cameras, uh, and. We see things that the owners don't see or we hear things the owners don't hear um, and we can pick up things that the owners won't. I think that's really important. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean I've had a few clients where I thought hang on, let's change that up whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And I still love the story you tell um, Stacy about the sprinkler hitting the window. <laughs> yeah but yeah you know things that you wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily consider. Oh, sorry. We should explain what that is. So, um, Stacy, do you want to quickly explain that story in case people haven't heard
2: it? Um, there was a dog that struggled on a certain day of week and, um, couldn't figure out why that was. Um, and it just so happened that, um, once the owner set up a camera, they Fit, figured out that it was the sprinklers hitting the window of their bedroom where the dog stayed on that particular day. So it was like a, a scheduled thing for the sprinklers to go off on that day. And the dog just couldn't tolerate that. So it wasn't that it was separation anxiety. It was just like a reaction to the noise and it just looked the same because the behaviors were, were similar. Mm. Um <clears throat> Yeah. So I think there's that, like, because we're looking at things with fresh eyes and that's just their normal house for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think also when somebody is specifically trained to be um, a coach and a support and guide somebody through um, separation anxiety training, they're, you know, trained in the skills and the communication and the coaching, Um, body language, the cheerleading, um, helping people be accountable. I mean, there's just like so many pieces there, right? Um, And so even if somebody is a certified dog trainer, but they don't have experience with separation anxiety, that's still not the best fit for your dog. Like having somebody that specializes in separation
1: anxiety, I think is, is really key. We've got the setup to do it as well, haven't we? I mean, that's the whole idea in in, uh, in, in being certified in, in separation anxiety is is that we have the setup. We've got everything that we need in order to work with you in the most effective way possible. And like Stacey said, you know, we, we provide accountability, but we don't. You know, you don't get told off. We're not going to treat you like children. We treat you like adults. You know, it's up to you if you do your training or don't do it on any given day. What we are there to do is to support you and to observe everything and to make sure that you're doing the best possible scenario that you can on any given day. And we are set up to be able to do that. Whereas, I mean, I used to do more traditional dog training, you know, out in the field, doing all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and that, that set up does not lend itself to this you're not know, going to visit people just doesn't isn't effective you just get in the way
0: there right. are some brilliant dog trainers out there and they are very very good at what they do but mm-hmm. if they don't specialize in separation anxiety mm-hmm. they can't offer that extra layer of help so um you know it's like if you've got some ailment say there was something wrong with your eye <laughs> uh you wouldn't you might go to a gp initially but I mean, really, you need to go to a specialist, an eye doctor, if that's what mm. they're called. <laughs> mm. But you know what I mean? Um, but, yes. yeah, so so depending on what health ailment it is, you want to go to a specialist that really understands that topic um, rather than a normal GP. And that's yeah. what we are. We are the, the specialist in our field. Yeah.
1: And, and a lot of, you know, a lot of traders don't want to do separation anxiety. It's not in and their... So- their remit it's kind of like it's like no it's, it's it's you know it's difficult it's scary but that's because they're not set up for it either
0: and it's time right. consuming too I mean you know it's yeah. not it's not a quick fix uh it's not like teaching a an a obedience exercise of like sit or come or anything like that it's it takes time mm-hmm. right
2: another really lovely thing about being an essay pro is that there's a a network of support there right so if I was working through a case with a client and it was something that I hadn't seen before, or I was just really stumped, there's a network of support there, right? So I could go to my other trainers and um, talk about best practices, maybe new ideas or protocols for trying to um, resolve this case. Now, obviously there's you know, we keep things anonymous to protect our clients. But, you know, if there's a, a piece of a case that I'm struggling with, and I needed to get input from other people, then there is a network in place for us to do that. Um, which is really lovely. And it's a it's a good way to to stay up to date on um, the latest research um, pertaining to separation anxiety on all of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's like us three, isn't it? you know, we all work together. And it's not you know, with the, that network is, is invaluable, and that you know, being able to, you know, because even with the best will in the world, you, you know, even specialists sometimes like another set of eyes on something to go, you know, what do you think to this? Because right. some dogs genuinely do some very, very odd stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: true. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. If you if you if you are seeing us, I'm going back to the doctor analogy again, if you were seeing okay. a doctor. <laughs> if you had a something wrong with you and you were seeing a specialist and they're not sure what's the first thing they do they go and talk to another specialist and they brainstorm Mm -hmm. it together
2: um I think you you mentioned something well I think both of you mentioned something that I just wanted to circle back around on and that was that you had both mentioned about our setup and how we do this work remotely and you guys, people who have been listening to the podcast know that we've definitely discussed how we work remotely, but I would go so far as to say that if you are working with a trainer on separation anxiety and they talk about coming to you, that that would be a red flag for me is because that's just not, a way that people work separation anxiety cases that having the trainer there would just, um, change up the dynamics and it, it wouldn't be useful. Um, so to me, that would be a red flag. If, if you were trying to work with somebody and they said they were specialist and they also said that they were going to come to you, I'd be like, mm.
0: I think the caveat to that, and I agree with you, but I would like to also say that, um, I think there is, if, if they are like, I mean, look, my clients are all over Australia, so I, I can't mm-hmm. drive travel down to Melbourne just to do one to one face-to-faces. Um, but I mean, if there was somebody on the Gold Coast in Australia where I lived, um, I, and they said, look, I just want to meet you, I would be prepared to go and say hello to them. I know we all kind of work similar, but probably slightly different in how we do things but I start with a zoom assessment when I do do that online because there's no point in me being there but if you're in an eight-week program then thereafter I might do half hour zoom catch-ups but if the owner said no I want to be talking to you face to face and I want to get to know you a little bit more I don't usually do training in those half hour zoom catch-ups so that might be a case of coming to meet you face-to-face and just sitting down with a cuppa and talking through things um, because I've got all the video links that they've sent me so we could troubleshoot all the stuff that they've sent. I haven't done that but if mm-hmm. if, if you're a trainer that does like to you know chit chat and sit down face-to-face that could be an option. However the training should be online. The training and the assessment certainly should be via Zoom and then Thereafter, your daily programs, training programs are are set by the video links they send you and the, the notes that they send you, etc., cetera, etc. Sarah, cetera.
2: do you um, meet anybody
1: live? Um, uh, actually, I have. Wow. Um, uh, only because uh, for some reason, um, I've had several clients that have that have been quite close, and mm-hmm. of course. it's that thing with with the old separation anxiety dog where um you know uh particularly if they're hyper attached and trying to share the love can be very difficult so I I have actually had a client come here uh where the dogs have played together and we've spoken about how to share the love and and, you know the kind of things that you would want to do and about staying with someone else for a certain amount of time until your your dog's settled and all that kind of thing rather than just taking them to daycare and then leave you know or taking them to Mm -hmm. a pet sitter and leaving them there and the and the dog falling apart so I I have and you know it was lovely (laughs) especially especially now you know at at, at a socially distanced distance Um, and it was really really nice cool have you one of my first clients
2: years ago now um I went and did her dog, we already knew they couldn't even get out the door. So we're definitely starting with desensitizing to the door. So um, I went to her house and we did um, kind of the stuff that you would talk about during the initial consultation. So we didn't need to do the in, in initial assessment because I like I already knew where she was, um, but um the rest of it I went in there and and talked to her about it but then the every meeting
1: after that we did um online I suppose with with this being able to meet your clients is a if they're close enough um and if you can you know be useful like that it's it's a bit of a bonus but it's most definitely not necessary and it shouldn't be a prerequisite of, of finding a, a separation anxiety trainer, you know, that you should, they definitely do not need to come and visit. You can definitely do the entire thing remotely and you can live anywhere you like, you know, it's nice if they're in the t- same time zone, obviously. Well, and <laughs> but I guess
2: other than that. Yeah, and I guess for me, it's a way I can keep the cost down a little bit, right? Mm. Meeting on Zoom. Right, because if I have to drive a half hour to meet you and then a half hour back, Mm -hmm. then that's going to increase the cost of the package. But if I can just meet you on Zoom and I don't need to drive anywhere, then that um,
1: you don't need to pay for that time because it's not spent. No, and it also means that as separation anxiety pros, because we work this way, that we can take more clients. So, whereas a more traditional Um, type trainer who does lots of visits they can only you know take so many clients before the fall and then they've got a waiting list and then you've got three months before you can get an appointment so you end up going somewhere else and you might end up with somebody that maybe was your second third fourth or fifth choice on a list because everybody's full because of the way that we work we can take more clients because we don't need all that traveling time in the middle right yeah. So, you, you know, you, it's in some ways it, it's better for you in that respect, because, you know, you're more likely to be able to find a separation anxiety trainer who can actually fit you in their schedule.
2: I think a majority of people who specialize in separation anxiety, though, do it mostly online or all
0: online. As we can see, there are always exceptions to the rule, huh? I think when you're looking for a trainer or looking around for a trainer it's important to remember that us as specialists we're not quite sure the best way of putting this but we're kind to the dogs so there's no point where we let the dogs uh get to the point of panic and there's no point where we let the dogs or we we create an environment where the dogs shut down so we we're not going to advocate chucking them in a crate and putting a bark collar on them where the dog is still panicked, but they've shut down. So they've been quiet, but they're not, um, they're, they're not, we're actually not Though in that situation. You're not really dealing with the fear. You're just making them quiet. So we don't work like that. We actually set the dog up. So the dog is comfortable being home alone. We set them up for success and there's there's no point where the dog is still panicking, but not displaying the behavior. We don't work mm-hmm. like that.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really big one. And I think that um, it brings up the point of the board and trains that will, you know, take your dog on and say they'll fix the separation anxiety in a week or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and largely in those would be like what Ness is saying is that you're what you're seeing then is the shutdown behavior because they've used chalk collars or bark collars or something like that.
0: The other thing I want to say is that if your trainer says, Oh, he's taking food, therefore he hasn't got separation anxiety. (laughs) Just run a mile, run a mile. They don't know (laughs) what they're talking about. They think they do, uh, but they don't. And I have heard, I have heard of trainers saying that and it's incorrect dogs will take food even when they've got separation anxiety even when they're in fear
1: so um yeah it's a funny one isn't it because i think with separation anxiety it's one of those um behavioral conditions where they they just don't fit any of the other molds that other behavior conditions might fit into you know i mean they, they just it just doesn't work in the same way you know we don't use food we don't you know, reward them when you come back in because it it doesn't help and we don't leave food behind because it doesn't help. And they do often, like you say, they will consume even when they're about as anxious as you can get. It's a bit like me eating chocolate when I'm having a bad day. (laughs) Stop me from eating.
2: (laughs) I think all of us would say that the most effective way to help your dog overcome separation anxiety is um, by working one-on-one with a qualified separation anxiety pro trainer. Um, that way you have an expert leading the way, right? Mm.
0: So um, how do I tell the difference between somebody who's qualified and specialized as opposed to a, a normal dog trainer that says perhaps that they're specialized?
2: Right. That's the big thing. It's hard to know, right?
0: Only because so, a lot of trainers do say that they um, can help you with their separation anxiety uh, and mm-hmm. that they specialize, but they actually don't have that specialist education that we do.
2: Right. So all three of us has have been through a um, separation anxiety pro trainer course. If a trainer has been through the, essay pro trainer course they will likely have some kind of badge on their website indicating that they have completed that
0: in conclusion in conclusion i think what we really want to say to our lovely listeners is that if you have a lot of separation anxiety and you're trying to do it by yourself or you're trying to find the right trainer do reach out to one of us because we can help. Yes, we can. Yes, <laughs> we can,
1: and we can provide everything that you need without being mean to you and without telling you off <laughs> or we treating you like children. <laughs> we would never be mean.
0: No,
1: we can provide all the support that you need, uh, and we have. I think I, th- I also think that you know. I, need, I think it does need to be said that we are great value for money compared to a traditional set up where you know you'd be charged for every hour that your trainer came out plus travelling time etc etc because of the way we work i think we are great value for money it's yeah. true well that's another fantastic episode of tales from the doghouse separation and anxiety explained This week, you've been listening to us talk all about why and how you would use a Separation Anxiety Pro Trainer. You've been listening to me, Sarah McLaren, in the UK from Separation Anxiety Solutions. You can find me on my website, www.separationanxietysolutions.com, on Facebook and on Instagram, all of the same name.
2: And I am Stacy Bell with Focused Fun in the U.S. You can find me at www.focusedfun.net, or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Focused Fun
0: Dogs. And on Ness Jones, I'm from Separation Anxiety and Dogs Decoded, and you can just find me on Facebook if you like. Um, it's probably the easiest way. Just reach out via my messenger. Um, or on insta which is underscore ness jones underscore uh, once again you've been listening to tales from the doghouse separation Society explained and you can find us on apple google stitcher spotify and other listening apps please like share follow and yeah keep listening to our next wonderful episode bye bye, bye. Bye.